Amen. Appreciate that singing tonight. You know, we saw, I was talking about a while ago, the time alone with the Lord. And uh, I noticed it the other day when I was at the house. And uh, I don't remember if it was a radio or a, or what it was. Uh, but uh, I know when I'm here at church and it's just the way it comes out, you hear me say, Amen. But if I'm alone, it's, amen. <laughs> you don't ever hear that here. But when I'm at home, that's the way it is. And so uh, we need times alone with the, with the Lord. Yes, sir. And uh, it's really special when you have those times and you need to, need to be on a regular basis. That way it don't scare you. <laughs> We're going to talk tonight a little bit about what we've been talking about in Sunday school. Uh, transforming truths in God's Word. And what we mean by transforming truth is one verse of Scripture, uh, for the most part there are one verse of Scripture, the ones we'll talk, most ones we'll talk about tonight, one verse of Scripture that if you will grasp it, will change your Christian life. And you'll find that we're going to read some of them, I think we'll read about nine or ten of them, and uh, as we read those, you will find them, if you've been saved very long, you'll find them very familiar verses of Scripture. And it's because they are outstanding verses of Scripture that literally, if you can, each one of these, if you can get each one, each one by themselves will transform your Christian life and draw you closer to God. It'll give you strength in the Lord, strength to witness, strength to live for Him. If we'll just grasp these. And we're going to read some of them, and then we're going to talk about uh, tr transforming truths, or basically one at, after we read these. Uh, but we start off our lesson with Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I mean, that's, that's a starting point. That's, that's what we have to do. If we're going to live for God, we've got to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And so we have to study to understand what that means, a living sacrifice. I mean, if you wasn't raised in church and you just got saved one day and the preacher said, you need to be a living sacrifice, you'd wonder what in the world is he talking about. Uh, but we have to study the Word of God. Then the second one was Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. And we need to do that as Christians. We need to transform our lives from what they were before we were saved. You might have been saved as a young child. You might have been saved as a much older uh, woman or man. Uh, but whatever age you were, uh, there was sin in your life and it needs to be transformed. And we need to, we need to understand that in the Word of God. In Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Right. Many times this verse comes to help. If you've been saved for a length of time, you've, you've used this verse and it's helped you because you know that God will help you do anything uh, that you need to do to carry on His Word. And in Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And we need to realize there's going to come some hard times unless we crucify this flesh, right. it's going to be impossible to get through this world. Then 1 Corinthians 10, 13, 
There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. When we're saved, we have the Holy Spirit, and we will face temptation, but God will get us over the temptation. He has overcome all temptation, and we can follow him and overcome the temptation uh, that is in our lives. 1 John 1, 9, very important verse for Christians. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's very important to realize once we're saved uh, that we still sin. But we can go to God in prayer, whether it's at home, alone, like I was talking about down here on the altar, wherever you are, you can go to God in prayer and say, God, I'm sorry I have sinned. Lord, forgive me of my sins, and he'll wash it, clean us clean as it was. It'd all be gone. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are are the called according to his purpose. We go through things sometimes in life and we need to know this verse right here to know whatever we're going through, God will use it to work good in our lives if we are living for him. You say, well, You just don't know, preacher, what I'm going through. I may not know what you're going through, but I do know what the Word of God says, and God says he will use it for good for you, whatever you're going through. Hebrews 11, 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Or how do you have faith? By diligently seeking God through his word, through prayer. And we'll diligently seek him and we will have faith to carry on the Christian life. Matthew seven twelve. Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye, do ye even so to them. And we do it because that's what God says to do, not so that we will receive benefit from it, but because we are trying to be Christ-like and we're trying to show what Christ would do in our lives. And so instead of doing what they deserve, what we think they deserve, instead of doing what the world says you ought to do, we do what God would do and we treat them the way we would want to be treated. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities than that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God's grace is sufficient to see us through whatever we are going through. And we can look back at some times in our lives and see where it was only God's grace that we got through them. I know there was a time in my life, and y'all are familiar with it because it's not been that long, where I was very sick. And God's grace saw me through that. God's grace saw my way through that. Brother Earl's in the a hospital now, and God's grace is seeing Janine through it, and God's grace is seeing Earl through it, and God's grace will see you through it if you will allow him to, if you will allow Christ, the power of Christ to rest upon you. Now, in all these transforming truths, there's one constant that I want to talk about tonight. The Holy Spirit enables us to do each one. Not any of what we said is what we do, what we can do, what we're able to do, what we're good enough for, but it is the Holy Spirit that does each and every one of these. So what I want to tell you about tonight is the value of the Holy Spirit. The value of the Holy Spirit. Now in Acts 
chapter 8, verses 9 through uh, 24. Uh, as we go through these verses now, you do need to realize something, uh, that there was a transition period uh, from the first of Acts where the Holy Spirit was given by the laying on of the apostles' hands and now that's not the way it is. You're, you receive the Holy Spirit the moment that you are saved. So don't let that throw you in the scriptures and say, what are you talking about the laying on of hands? And, and you can go back and study that later. And we, if, we, if we explained all that, we wouldn't get into any of the sermons. <laughs> but verse 9, But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery, and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. Always watch out for those that claim to be great. Always watch out for those right. that saying that they're the one that has the power. Yeah. Right. Right. Good. Verse 10, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. He had them fooled. He... He, they were bewitched. He, he had them tricked. And to him they had regard because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. It says, now, this man had them fooled. But when they heard the gospel, the power of the gospel saved their lives. Then Simon himself believed also. Now we're going to read something about Simon a little bit, and you're going to say, a saved man did that? Yep, a saved man did that. The Bible says, then Simon believed. We're going to say Simon in heaven. I don't, I don't have to have anything other word than the word of God says, Simon believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. This was an amazing thing. They knew the Jews could receive the word of God. Now they find out that Samaria will receive. Although Jesus told them to go there, now they're seeing that they can receive the word of God. And verse 14, now when the apostles which... Oh, I read that verse, verse 15 who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Amen. And when Simon saw that through laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Right. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Right. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Right. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me. I think he realized what he had done wrong. He said, Listen, you need to pray for me. Right. I don't know if I'm able to pray. You pray for me. Pray for me that none of these things which he's spoken come upon me. Right. Now we see, we understand 
uh, that what Simon wanted was wicked. It's very easy to understand. If it's the first time you heard it, you can see where it would be wrong, where it would be wicked uh, to think that why Peter had to, told him what he told him uh, and why his method was all wrong and wicked his understanding of the value of the Holy Spirit was to be commended. Now, here was a man, he was a wicked sorcerer, but he heard the word of God, got saved, and when he saw people receive the Holy Spirit, he saw the value of the Holy Spirit. Now, being who he was, being who he was, that he was a man, and he, I guess he saw this is the way he was going to continue his living, that he could do this instead of what he was doing, but he, he didn't know everything, but he realized later that he was wrong, but he knew that it was very valuable to have the Holy Spirit. Now, all Christians realize the value of the Holy Ghost, but most miss the most important one. Let me give you an example of missing the value of something. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of uses for WD-40. Probably everybody ever dealt in here has used WD-40 for something. It'll remove chewing gum. It'll remove a ring from your finger that's stuck. It'll clean grout. It'll remove labels. It'll remove scuff marks. You can spray it on part, spark plug wire in the car, crank it, wouldn't crank until you spray it on there. It's amazing stuff. Johnny's done that. You take that old descriptor cap. It, they used to have descriptor caps, kids. It'd be wet on the inside. You take that thing off, spray it. Put it back on her, crank right up. Magic. Magic stuff. But none of those things is what WD-40 was made for. WD-40 was made to, to get nuts, rusted nuts off of rusted bolts. And it works pretty good. They got some stuff better than that now. Uh, uh, but it works pretty good. But uh, some people might say, well, I don't use it for that. So why wouldn't you use it for that? I've... They got some reasons, I guess. I, I just don't know exactly how to do it. I might make a mess of it. I don't know if it'll work. I've never done it before. Someone else could do it better than me. I can't read the instructions real good. Sound like the excuses for something else? Sound like the excuses... For not using the power to witness. That's the, that's the power that I want to talk about. That's the value of the Holy Spirit that we need most of all. Is the power to witness. That's, that's the main reason that we have the Holy Spirit after we're saved. Uh, that we can use the Holy Spirit is to tell others about what God has done for us. In the book of Acts chapter 1 verses 2 through 8. I don't think I give the gentleman back there the verses. So if you want to turn to your Bible, the book of Acts, chapter 1, we'll start reading in verse 2. Acts, chapter 1, verse 2. Unto the day in which he was taken up, after that the whole, through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to uh, the kingdom of God. And so uh, these two verses sort of rehearsing the four Gospels, the end of the four Gospels, and telling 
uh, about the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how he presented himself uh, to them during that uh, 40 days. Yeah. And then verse 4 says, And Jesus being assembled together with them. Now, he, he was with them. So I know we're talking in Acts, and Acts is after uh, Jesus ascended, but he, we're talking about still before he ascended into heaven. And Jesus being assembled together with them, commanded, not suggested, but commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. It's always good to wait on the promise of the Father. When you're acting on the promise of the Father, you'll do the right thing. Which says he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And he said that, and it went like, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. Because they go back to the same old thing. When, he, when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? They ain't getting it yet. They'll get it. They'll get it. But they ain't got it yet. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. We see, they got to get excused. They were Jews, and the Jews was always wondering when Christ was going to come back. They had no problem, no problem believing that the kingdom of Israel would be returned to its former state. But they were hung up on when. When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? We're Christians are hung up. When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? The when is not the main thing. The him is the important part. The him being the Holy Spirit. We need to focus on the him and not the when. And then verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. And in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. Right. Now, I could give you a checklist. I could have printed them out, hand them to you, and said, you read these, and if you, if you have know these values of the Holy Ghost, you check them off. The value of the Holy Ghost in my salvation, check. The value of the Holy Ghost in prayer, check. The value of the Holy Ghost in healing, Check. The value, of, the value of the Holy Ghost in a marriage. Check. The value of the Holy Ghost in my personal soul. Winning. Hmm. I don't know if I can check out or not. That's the most important one. We'll need to have the desire that Simon had. And you said laying on the hand, not laying on the hands, but the desire to enable someone else to receive the Holy Ghost. Right. Amen. That's what God wants us to do. We ought to not just know that we can do it, but we ought to desire to do it. Yes, right. Simon wanted it. You have it. Bless. You don't do it by laying on the hands. You do it by telling the gospel. 
That's the only thing anybody needs to receive the Holy Ghost is to hear the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. God will do the rest of it. Brother Adam, I'm not going to tell you a whole story, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about Tuesday, about yesterday. I had to go back about three weeks to start with. Adam and Kendra is out with us on visitation on Tuesday. And uh, we go to this uh, six or eight duplexes. And they go to this one house. And, Brother, I'll be honest with you, when I'm, when I'm by myself, I don't like to see a lady getting out of a car. But you had your daughter with you, so it was a great opportunity. And so they go to this house, and there's a lady getting out of the car, and this little blonde-haired girl, I know now she's two years old, I can say she's two years old, uh, with her. And they talked with her, and Brother Russell got back to me and he said, man, I wish we had more time, but she had to go. She was really listening to what I had to say. And so we go back this past Tuesday, Brother Adam and I go since we've already, he's already made contact with her. And so we want to go back, try to talk to her again. Come up, pull up in the drive where those duplexes are. Look to your real blonde haired girl out in the driveway. Lady standing there beside her. And find out later, it's not, it's not the same lady. Not the same lady, was it? <laughs> the lady's there first time, don't even live her. She was babysitting. Brother Adam, she didn't get saved, but he, got, he was able to give her a very good witness. And one thing that he did, he, he told her part of his story. Amen. That's the most powerful tool you have is your story. But Johnny, I can't use your story. Right. I could tell somebody, but it wouldn't mean near as much as if you used it. Right. You tell everything else that's any value at all. If you got a, if you got a tidbit of information, buddy, and, and you think somebody can use it or you think somebody will listen to it, you'll tell it. <laughs> but what about telling people about the Holy Spirit? Right. What about telling people about Jesus? What about telling people you're saved? Yes. Verse 8 says, we shall be witnesses. Yes. I'll talk about, first of all, number one, the power you receive. Verse 8 says, ye shall receive power. The word translated power in New Testament is also translated able in New Testament. You could say, ye shall receive ability. Ability. Letter A is he enables us with favor. He enables us with favor. What kind of favor are you talking about? Well, let's use some of the scriptures. Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Exodus eleven three. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Remember when... Uh, Israel left out of Egypt. God said, borrow of your neighbors. They, they, they didn't give them a little bit. They give them food. They give them wash pots. They give them gold, jewelry. Oh. You think, well, what do they need all that gold for? 
They used it later. What do you think they got the gold they used later? God knew what they needed it for. Daniel 1.9. And now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. See, it took being in favor for Daniel to be able to do what he did, to rise up into leadership. You have favor with people that no one else here has favor with. You can have influence over people that nobody else here has influence over. So that's two things. You have a story that nobody else has, and you have favor that nobody else has. Anytime that you gain favor, God allowed it. Those three verses we read, where did the favor come from? God. So if you have favor with somebody, you can use that for God. Don't be greedy and abuse favor with somebody. Use favor for God. You need to use the favor to be a witness for God because you have influence over that person. God has given you influence over that person and he did not give you influence over that person so you could get a better job. If it gets you a better job, that's okay. But that's not the reason you got the influence. And then he enables us with boldness. As you diligently prepare with the word of God, God will give you boldness and insight that you'll be an effective witness. Now it's not you just, you know, lay around all the time, be lazy, don't study the word of God, don't know the word of God, don't go to church, and and you're all of a sudden you're going to be this great witness for God. No, God probably wants you to stay in your house. If you follow his leading, he'll bring verses to your mind. I was, when, Brother Adam, when I was listening to you, I was listening, and I could tell you were following the Holy Spirit what to say. Now, of course, you had the scriptures sort of laid out, but everything else, you was following the leadership of the Holy Spirit and what to say. And pray for this, pray for this lady. I pray she does get saved. She definitely knows how now. She, she would give her a, a, an invitation card track. It's got every, basically everything he told her about being saved on the back of it. So, But pray for her that she gets saved. As you rely fully on him, you'll be amazed that you can witness in spite of what weakness that you may think you have. The Lord will enable you with boldness to witness to people that you would think you're not typically comfortable speaking to. I told Mr. Sanders, if there is a group of people that you won't speak to because you don't like, you need to get right with God. That's right. I don't care who it is. There is no, there's no such group in the Word of God. That's right. But don't witness to these. Don't talk to these people. He, he immediately gave Israel the very example to show different. He said, Samaria. Hey, if there's anybody they didn't want to witness to, it was Samaria. They go to Egypt first before they go to Samaria to witness somebody. He enables us with compassion. It is impossible to effectively witness to a person that 
you do not have love for in your heart. If you if there's something uh, again, if there's somebody you can't love, if there's somebody that you can't love them for their soul, you need to get right with God. If you know there's a group of people, if you know there's certain people, if you know there's someone, anybody that you have trouble with that would prevent you from giving the gospel to, you need to pray to God about it. God God, God gave you the compassion. He'll do that. He has the power. He will do that, and you need to allow him to. Jesus loved all of us good enough to die for the very ones that you may have trouble witnessing to. There's no exception. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that that whosoever believeth. He died for everybody. And we're supposed to witness to everybody. And then number two, the plan God has set. We understand, okay, now we've See that God gives us the power, but he just didn't say, all right, you've got the power, now you go do it. <laughs> he told us how to do it. He gave us, us a plan. We are the means that God uses to see people saved. Right. Not not miracles, all right? He used miracles. Jesus used miracles. We don't have to wait on a miracle. We got one. That's when we got saved. That's on one we need. The Greek word for witness, well, I'm back up A, is what makes you a good witness. The Greek word for witness is martis, the same word that martyr comes from. A witness or martyr is one who proclaims the knowledge of experiencing salvation. Why do martyrs get martyred? One reason. Every martyr got martyred for the same reason, and that is claiming Jesus Christ. Not claiming God. Not claiming religion. Not claiming a set of values, but claiming Jesus Christ. So one of the best ways of witnessing is to use our own testimony. Brother Adam give a little bit of his testimony when he was speaking to this lady. And when you give your testimony to somebody God has given you favor with, you say, well, I don't know if I got favor or not. I just met, I just, when I walked up to him, started talking to him. Hey, if they stop and talk to you, you got favor. (laughs) Right? If somebody talked to you in this, this day and time, you got favor with them. When giving the gospel to others, we could begin by saying, let me tell you about the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And then what hinders our witness? What hinders our witness is many people have not allowed God, through the Holy Spirit, to transform our lives. We read that verse very early on in the message. To transform our lives and not be conformed to this world. 
It'd be sad to see an 18-year-old boy or girl, normal capacity, have no education. Don't even know what A and B is. Somebody has to tell them. Now, I know a person can pick up so much on their own, but no education whatsoever. I, went, I used to work with a guy who was about 15 years older than me, and he couldn't read and write. Now, there were some older men I worked with. They couldn't read and write, but that was, that was sort of understandable. Uh, I mean, they'd be over 100 years old now. But this man's only about 15 years older than me, and he said, he said this. He said it sort of bragging, laughing about it, but I guess he, I don't know. When I went to school, I went in one door and out another door. When I went to school, I went in one door and right out another door. And they couldn't keep him in the school. And eventually his parents quit sending him. And he never learned to read and write. Not because he didn't have the mental capacity. He was just never taught. I, I, I assume his parents probably couldn't read and write either. So they couldn't teach him. But he never learned to read and write. Education was available, but he didn't take advantage of it. Sometimes we hesitate to witness somebody because we have not paused to allow God to work in our hearts and renew our gratitude for what he has done for us. We have not taken advantage of the education available. And you say, what programs are you talking about? If there were no programs, you have the education, you have the word of God. But you do. You have that here too. Ask yourself the following questions to assess the barriers in your heart. When was the last time I meditated what my Savior meditated on what my Savior did for me when He saved me? We need to visit. We need to revisit and revisit and revisit the day of our salvation. I don't mind doing it. I enjoy it. Now, we can't spend all our time doing that, but we do need to spend some time doing that. Matter of fact, we went to had a family reunion uh, this past Saturday. Went by the church where I got saved at. Went to my uh, grandma and grandpa's uh, uh, tombstone, and it was exactly where I said it wouldn't. <laughs> I told you it's up there in the middle somewhere. Over in that corner right there. Very, very corner over there. I was, I was, thirteen, okay, or yeah, well, I was about fourteen, maybe. Didn't remember. So, and then secondly, when did I last feel amazed because of the fact that I was on my way to hell, but Jesus died to save me and give me eternal life? Now, I know when we come to church, we sing Amazing Grace, we get that, right? But I'm talking about when you're by yourself, when you're not in church, when you're at work. Does it ever hit you? I could be in hell. I could be in hell. And now, not only am I not in hell, I can't go to hell. Whether your salvation experience was dramatically saved while you were in prison or a simple... Child's bedside prayer where you got saved. 
you have a story. You have a miracle that has transformed your life, and not only has it transformed your life, it has transforming power to touch somebody else when you give them the Word of God. Claim that same power to help and enable you to share your faith with others. Think about the gift you have. I mean, you, you have a gift that you can give and give and give and give, and every time you give, you have more. Now, I would say most of us in here, if not all of us, if we had $50 billion, if we seen somebody in need, we'd help them. If you had $50 billion and somebody needed $20,000, you would never know you spent $20,000, right? Well, you have eternal life. And you can tell somebody about eternal life. And not only does, does it feel good when you do it, uh, you're putting rewards in heaven, you're following God's commandments, and they may get saved. And then number three, the place God has chosen. The last part of verse 8 said, And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. As I said, he started off with Samaria. So he didn't, he didn't give the easy one first and say, well, I got that one, and I'll eventually like it. No, he put Samaria right there in front. Many early Christians may have thought, well, I can go anywhere but Samaria. And as I said, there may be a place in your mind I can go anywhere but there. Samaria represents the place we aren't willing to go. I told Sunday school class this, and I don't, I don't know this. I'm just saying this is what somebody told me. Brother Russell may know what I'm talking about, or he may say, never heard of it. I had a Hispanic man that I worked with tell me this. He said there was five groups of Hispanics. Maybe he's talking about the region he was from, Hispanics total, I don't know. He said there's five groups of Hispanics, and he named one of them, and he said, if they were on fire, I wouldn't spit on them. He looked at me and said, now you, he said, I'd help you, I'd do anything I can for you. Boy, them, nah. That's the way the Jews felt about Samaria. I hope there's nobody that you feel that way about. So I just don't think I could go there and do it. There's no place more secure than the center of God's will. Serve faithfully where God has called you to be. Jim Elliott, famous for saying, Wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Is it the will of God? Then do everything you can to fulfill it. Everything you can to do it. After you surrender to the will of God, the devil will try to distract you. He'll try to tell you you're not in God's will. That's the reason it's very important to make sure that we are in God's will. And once we have settled it in our hearts, don't let Satan 
disrupt us of that. Don't let people disrupt us of that. But we need to settle it in our hearts what God's will is for us. Because you'll constantly question what you're doing. Satan will tell you that God can't use you. I'm going to count up right quick everybody I know that God can't use. Zero, right? He'll overwhelm you with your busy schedule. Say, well, you got to get this done. you got to get that done. you got this done. you got to put your, not only get all your eggs in the basket, you got to put them in right. you got to put the right eggs in first. got to do what God wants you to do first, and he'll right. give you time to do the rest of it. Amen. I ain't got time to pray. You ain't got time not to pray. And Satan will tell you you're not even saved. I suppose most Christians have went through it at some point, maybe briefly, maybe a concerned length of time, but that's just something Satan uses. You say, well, you ain't even saved. You can't do them no good. He don't care what he uses. He don't care what he says. If he can get you to fall, fall for it, he'll do it. And then support those who serve where you cannot be. I think you might have heard our pastor say sometime we need to support missions. Anybody ever heard him say that? (laughs) We can't go everywhere, but we're responsible to send the word everywhere that we can. You can pray for them. Pray for missionaries. Because prayers can go where your dollars can't go. But they still need dollars. That's right. That, that's, you can't do things without money to pay for it. Most places, well, I don't know if I know most, but I know a lot of places, you go to a foreign country, the missionary is not allowed to work because they'll take a job from somebody else. Right. Now, hopefully, whether that's the case or not, they're receiving enough funds that they don't need to work because they certainly have plenty of work to do that they don't have time to do other work. So we help them financially. We all share the responsibility to get the gospel around the world. We have a part in the fruit of the missionaries that we help send out. That we and we only pay a small portion of each one, but when churches join together and do that and send the money out, it enables the, uh, people to be on the mission field. I mean, if Brother Russell, he loves coming to church, but he don't want to be church here. I've been around him enough to know he'd a whole lot rather be in Mexico. I mean, that's where his heart, his heart, his heart's still there. His blood's pumping somehow, but his heart's down there in Mexico. And you can encourage them. Send them cards, send them emails, send them care packages, whatever. You could just, limitless really what you could do for somebody if you sit down and think, what can I do for this missionary? Well, do you know something about them? That'll help you. Maybe you don't know anything about them. There's things that you can do for any missionary. Ask God to put missionaries on your heart. Now, you, you, if I could email all our missionaries, 
but you would, probably couldn't send every one of our missionaries something. Even sending a letter would be very time-consuming. But sending them something financially or a gift would be very difficult unless you had that $50 billion that Johnny's got. But it's encouraging when they're out on a foreign field. I don't, I don't know what it's like, but just think about it. You're, you're not 500 miles from home. You're not 1,000 miles from Kansas, right? You're 20,000 miles away. And you can't get back home without several days' preparation. You can't just leave right now. You can't just go do this. So whatever we can do for them, if it encourages them, you never know what missionary might be just about ready to quit. And that little bit of encouragement will keep them going on till God can bless them. Be that little bitty blessing till God gives them the big blessing. Let's stand to our feet. Miss Susan comes and plays. Are you the witness you need to be? If God spoke to your heart tonight, you come to the altar. Talk to him. Is there somebody in your life that God has told you to speak to and you have not done it? Almost every time that that thought crosses my mind, I think of a man named Jeff that I never witnessed to. And I had opportunity to, but I didn't. Said the next time that I'm alone with him, I'm a witness to him. And he switched jobs. And I never saw him again. I don't think he was saved. He could have been, but I don't think he was. Maybe he got saved some other way, but he didn't get saved by what I told him. Is there somebody like that in your life that you still have favor with? That you could tell your story to? that would influence them to receive Christ as Savior. People still pray and you have opportunity to come. Just follow the Holy Spirit.
Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, for those that come around the altar, Lord, whatever the need was. And, Lord, we pray for that, Lord. Those in the pews, Lord, maybe they will pray in the pews. Maybe some will go home tonight, Lord, and get down beside their bed and say, Lord, show me somebody to witness to. Now, Lord, we do want to pray for Earl. Continue strengthen him. Pray for our pastor. Give him strength that he may be back at the house of God. May he, even, Lord, uh, tonight when Miss Ellen gets home, he feels feeling better, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for all your many blessings. In Jesus' name we pray.